Romans chapter 15, 15 1 through 6. This is a, a, a sermon that really has been growing in my heart over the last several months. Um, this last year has been a challenge for many, many people. Um, and, and in more ways than one, you know, like COVID certainly uh, rises to the top of list of challenges in, in the last year. But politically and socially, um, our, our culture of our country is, is just really at a place where uh, the emphasis is to tear one another apart. And my fear, truly my fear, is that that influence of culture has crept into the church. And so this morning I want to share with you um, this passage and, and try to unpack and understand how we as Christians need to be a people that encourages one another. In fact, it's, it's not only is it a need, but that we are in fact obligated, according to God's word, to be an encouragement to one another. It's not a nice thing to do. It's not something that is optional, but it's actually something that we're required according to the Word of God. And how we as Christians can rise above the emphasis of culture that is tearing itself apart. Would you stand with me as we read Romans chapter 15 verses 1 through 6. Now we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weakness of those without strength and not to please ourselves. Each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whoever has written, whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that we might have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from scriptures. Now, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another, according to Christ Jesus, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Father God, we just want to lift this morning up to you and pray that you would speak to our hearts and that you would uh, illuminate your word and that you would allow us, Lord, to learn how we might apply these great truths in our lives. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This uh, passage starts out with a statement now, we who are strong in faith, and you might be wondering, what does that mean? What does it mean to be strong in faith? And uh, it, that word now connects this verse to the previous chapter, chapter 14. And, and I'm not going to preach chapter 14. I, per, I certainly could probably preach a, several sermons on chapter 14. Um, but I want to hit some highlights from it. But one thing I would encourage you to do this week as you... Um, study God's Word this week is to go into chapter 14 and really take a look at what it means to be strong in faith in relationship to other brothers and sisters in Christ. But some of the things that we can learn from that in, in chapter 14, in verse 1 it says, 
Uh, those who are strong in faith, chapter 14, verse 1, don't argue about disputed matters. In verse 3 it says, they don't look down or judge others on secondary issues of faith. Verse 8, those who are strong in faith live and die for the Lord. And those in, uh, in chapter, uh, uh, chapter 14, verses 10 through 12, it says, those who are strong in faith recognize that God deals with each of his servants individually. In verse 13, uh, those who are strong in faith do not become a stumbling block to their brother or sister in Christ. In verse 16, those who are strong in faith do not slander the good of others. And then verse 19, and I think this is really important, those who are strong in faith pursue peace. Those who are strong in faith pursue peace. Now we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. This obligation is just what it means. It's an obligation. We are indebted to those who are weak. I mean, think about that for a second. The strong in faith are morally indebted to the weak. It's not just a nice thing to do, but it's actually a requirement in God's economy. Those who are strong in faith are indebted, obligated to those who are weak. I think sometimes we take this idea of obligation a little too lightly. You know, in our culture, there's social obligations. You know, if somebody sends you a card or if somebody uh, gives you a gift, it's proper to let them know that you got the card or to thank them for the gift. But we take those obligations kind of lightly, honestly. That it's sort of like, if the mood strikes me, I'll go ahead and, and follow through with these obligations. And sometimes I think we take obligations in the Christian faith in the same kind of lighthearted. I will help somebody who's weak if I have time. I will encourage somebody who is struggling if I'm in a good place. No, that's not really what is being said here. It's saying that those who are strong in faith are morally indebted to the weak. What does it mean to be weak in faith? You know, the most obvious answer would be those who struggle with doubt. And certainly, uh, struggling with doubt is, is a piece of being weak in faith. But I, I, let me just suggest to you that there's something that with doubt that is even worse than struggling with doubt and that is being a person who acts like they're strong in faith and because of the act that they have that they're strong in faith they can't talk about their doubts you see we create a culture in our church that it's not okay to have doubts that there's something uh wrong with your walk with God if you have doubts and so there's this social pressure to appear strong and not talk about those things that you struggle with and so then they're stuck and those people who cannot talk about those doubts are those without strength you see the strong in faith 
are at peace in talking about doubts, even when they might be having those doubts. But with others who may be struggling, may be wrestling with some difficult matter, it could be a loss of a loved one, it could be why do my kids go off and not serve the Lord? There could be all kinds of situations in life that present these doubts. We need to have the courage to talk about those things and bring them to the forefront. Those who are weak in faith struggle with certainty. Now that might seem like a counterintuitive thing, but just hear me out. Certainty is you have to absolutely know everything about a particular thing. And those who have to know everything about a particular thing, when it comes to faith, there isn't a lot of room for faith. It's you have to know it's true. And so they go through these long, drawn-out proofs of what they believe. And they have to be certain about it. They can't have any room for the mystery of God. They don't have any room for God's revelation. It has to be figured out. It has to be tested. It has to, it has to be able to resist the, the uh, arguments of the, the most ardent atheist, for example. And the problem with that certainty is you set up your faith as, as this sort of house of cards. It's, it's based on your ability to come up with a good argument for the faith. It's not based on a hopeful trust in Jesus Christ. And what happens, because I've seen it happen, is that once some person who is anti-Christian is able to come up with some clever argument, that house of cards comes crashing down. And so struggling with certainty is certainly an example of being weak in faith. And so we also can struggle with reason. Struggling with reason is um, a challenge in terms of what we believe. We have to have a rational faith. Um, the uh, faith that we have is unreasonable. Bottom line. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, how many miracles in Scripture are on every page of Scripture? Like, we see it again and again and again. The greatest miracle, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is a most unreasonable truth. Now, don't get me wrong. I think there's historical evidence for the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. But it, it stands to reason that people don't die and come back to life. And so if you are basing your faith on reason, then you have to reject this uh, truth of uh, somebody can die and come back to life. those who are strong in faith have a healthy appreciation of those things that can be understood through reason. You know, those, those things that um, occur in the natural world. Well, there's a lot that we can learn through science, for example, 
and technology and, and the times that we live, we can learn a lot about the world around us. But the reality is to understand the supernatural, to understand the things of God, the truths of God, that you must have an understanding that is illuminated by faith, not by reason. Let me give you an example. Love. We can study how people relate to each other when they say they're in love. We can come up with all kinds of tests and observations and understandings of what it looks like when people love one another. We can even study people's brain activity and and learn what neurochemicals are associated with love. That's romantic. The fact that you just laughed demonstrates that no matter how much we study and understand love, it will come up short if we're using reason to understand it. On the other hand, if we take a look at love, and we know that that one of the great truths of Scripture is that God is love. Amen? And we also know that two, uh, two important commandments is that we are to love God and to love others. And when we learn what that means and we apply that, we develop a greater sense of the important truth that love demonstrates. And the only way to get to that is not to reason your way into it, but to accept it and receive it as a, a, a revelation of God by faith. Another way that people that are weak in faith will struggle with fear. You know, fear is an evidence that we do not trust God's promises. Now, don't get me wrong. People who are strong in faith still fear. You know, like they're still human beings. But someone who is strong in faith, when they have a fear, they face that fear. They overcome that fear by putting their hope and trust in the promises of God. God becomes their comfort. God becomes their shelter. God becomes their foundation. And we trust in God's goodness and provision. Each one of us Uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 2. Each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good and to build him up. When we see this passage here that that each one of us is to please our neighbor, I, I, I think I have a strong connection to the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so what we're supposed to be doing according to this verse is to gain the approval of those who are near us for their good. We're supposed to be encouraging them, helping them do that uh, in, in helping them to become uh, better, to encourage them, to build them up. And I want to clarify something here. Um, this is not approval of what we think and what we believe. In fact, if that's really what you're looking for, is someone to approve of what you think and believe, um, you are in for a world of hurt. The, the world will never accept what we think and believe but what this passage is saying is that we need to um, be the seeking the the benefit the goodness of our neighbors 
to be an encouragement, to be a help. Think of the Good Samaritan. Think about the Good Samaritan. There's, there's this man beaten up to the point of death, bleeding out. And two people walk by him. They see him there. And they go to the other side of the street and walk around. They couldn't be bothered by this gentleman who's left for dead. And then we have the Samaritan. We call him the Good Samaritan. He comes, sees the man, is moved with compassion. He gets off of his horse or camel, whatever it is. He goes down to the man. He washes his wounds, covers them, gives him some water, puts him on the horse, takes him to the next town, pays for him to be in the inn. And as he's recovering, the the Samaritan, he has to leave. But the, the man is still not healed. And so he goes to the innkeeper and he says, you know what? As long as this man needs to get healing, give him that time. And I'll pay for it. He didn't ask the, this this beat up man what his theology was he didn't ask him if he believed the right things he saw a need and he met that need see i think sometimes we get it backwards we we are seeking approval of our orthodoxy we are seeking approval that we believe the right things when in reality we should be seeking the approval of orthopraxy, which is doing the right things. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that having right beliefs is important. But theology without practice is the theology of demons. If you don't believe me, James chapter 2, verse 19, it says, You believe that God is one. Good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Now this isn't to please ourselves. Doing good for others is not to please ourselves. And, and, and it feels good to do something good for somebody. But that's not the goal. The goal is not to build up our own sense of self-esteem. Doing nice things for others to make yourself feel better is for you. This, there's, a, there's an act of self-denial. And so we need to be sacrificing for those who are weak. Not just doing something nice because it makes us feel good. It's, it's not an object of self-approval. It's not, I'm celebrating because I know that I'm right. I'm taking pride in myself. Look at what I've done. But I see a need. And I meet that need. So the strong in faith encourage others. They build them up. They, they make a permanent dwelling place. You know, 
we live in a time right now and culturally that we are tearing each other apart. You can see how if there's somebody that you disagree with, how they're tearing us down, tearing us apart. But this passage is self-reflective. It's, it's meant to be a mirror to hold up and examine yourself. And so my question is, are we able to see how we've missed the mark of building others up by taking actions that in reality tear others down? Let me say that again. Are we able to see how we've missed the mark of building others up by taking actions that in reality tear others down? We, as Christians, must do better. And I'm so thankful this last year, um, God has surrounded me with uh, people who have been an encouragement to me. And I'm sure that there's been people around you that have been an encouragement to you. Praise God. There are people who are fulfilling this that are living this verse out. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for being strong in faith. But I've also seen people who, because of anger or frustration, or maybe just being influenced by our culture, have slipped into this attitude of tearing things down that they disagree with. It's unfortunate. We as Christians must, and I'll be honest with you, I've fallen into it as well. See something that I disagree with, and, and rather than respond with uplifting and building upwards, I've responded with tearing downwards to my shame. And I'm sorry for that. Romans chapter 15, verse 3, it says, For even Christ did not please Himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on Me. You see, Christ did not seek the approval for Himself and endured insults. And what's more, those insults that He endured were intended for Me. They were intended for Me. Contrast that with our culture uh, and our cultural tendency to be outraged by other people's insults. Amen? We are, are we more, more likely to be influenced by Christ's examples, example and endure the insults? Or are we more influenced by culture and be outraged and counterattack when we're insulted. Christ is our standard. Do you know, there's an interesting progression when we take a look at Romans chapter 15, verses 4 through 6. 
And, and when we look at that, there's this progression from God's Word to glory, glorifying God in Christian unity. And just follow this, if, if you will. Romans chapter 15, verses 4 through 6, it says, For whatever was written, there's a key word, written, in the past was written for our instruction. Sorry for the dense slide there. So we have God's Word is written for our instruction so that we may have hope. That's a key word. Through endurance and encouragement from the Scriptures. So we can learn about endurance and encouragement through the Scriptures. Well, that seems pretty obvious. We need to be in the Word of God. Amen? And if we're not in the Word of God, then how can we learn about endurance and encouragement? Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement. So there's another step there. I want you to catch that. It's not enough to just know about encouragement and endurance, but we have to receive it as a gift from God. There's a lot of people that know a whole lot about the Bible. I even heard this morning that um, they did a study of of people who have studied the Word of God, particularly the Old Testament. And they, they asked questions, trivia questions, I suppose, about the Old Testament. The number one group, which you would expect, that has understanding of the Old Testament is um, rabbis, Jewish, Jewish rabbis. They, had, they were the number one group that understood the Old Testament and what is written in it. The number two group... Atheists. Atheists understand the Old Testament, not spiritually, but in terms of the content, better than believers. So it's not enough to just know. You have to receive what God has given to you. God has um, put upon us to have this encouragement and endurance. And then God will grant you to live in harmony. If, if you're in disharmony with a fellow believer in Christ, there's a pretty good chance that you're not living this out. It's a pretty good chance that you are not uplifting and building one another up. And so uh, you need to go back. And, and take a look at that. According to Christ Jesus, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. So there's this progression of going from God's Word and His instruction and understanding endurance and encouragement and receiving the gift of endurance and encouragement from God and then ultimately living in harmony with fellow believers in Christ which leads then to the glory of God in Christian unity. There's this progression that we follow when we are obedient. Now let me ask you this question. Does what you read, watch, and listen to give you hope? Let me ask that question again. Does what you read, watch, or listen to give you hope? 
If what you read, watch, and listen to does not give you hope, there's two possibilities. Two possibilities. God is speaking, but you're not listening. The other possibility is what you're listening to is not from God. And so, if what you read, watch, and listen to is not giving you hope, you need to take a look at that. You may need to change what you're reading, watching, and listening to. But if it's from God, then you really need to be listening and humbling yourself before the Lord. Because what God gives us is hope. And that might be bold. That might be a bold statement. But we have to guard our hearts from the destructive worldly philosophies of our age. Our souls and other people's souls depend on it. Notice that we can learn about encouragement from Scripture. But that we need God's gift of encouragement to fulfill that. Our aim as believers is to glorify God in Christian unity. And we need to recognize that Christ is our standard. His willingness to lay His life down for each and every one of us while we were still yet sinners, while we were still rejecting Him, while we, we still did not follow Him. He was willing to be our sacrifice. I want to highlight four takeaways from this morning. The first thing that I want to encourage you is that we who are strong are obligated to the weak. That's a pretty serious thing. You know, I, I think that there's times in my own life where I've let pride get in the way of fulfilling that. Sort of an attitude, honestly, that somehow I'm better than that other person. I, I'm reminded of the... the uh, Jesus' parable of the two that went to the temple where the Pharisee sat there and watched this man beat on his chest. Saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the Pharisee says, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this guy. Those who are strong are obligated to the weak to build them up, to encourage them, to help them along the way. That is a collective responsibility that we have. It's an indebtedness that we have to one another. And we need to live that out. Those who are weak, uh, the second takeaway, those who are weak need an encouraging brother or sister in Christ. Maybe you're struggling with doubt. Maybe you're struggling with certainty. Maybe you're struggling with reason. 
Maybe you're struggling with fear. You need a brother or sister to come alongside you and be an encouragement to walk with you as you go through those difficult times. Struggling with faith alone is one of the most torturous things that you can do in this Christian walk. You need other people that can encourage you. Now, I recognize not everybody is good at that. But there are people who genuinely care, that want to serve and honor you. Reach out. Let them know that you're struggling. Be okay with talking about some of the things, the questions that you have. Doubts. It grieves my heart that young people go away to college and all it takes is one simple conversation with an amateur atheist to collapse their faith. It shouldn't be that way. Reach out and talk to somebody so that they can encourage you. The third takeaway, we need to rise above the world that is tearing itself apart. We cannot become a part of this culture that is, is outraged and tearing down other people. It's wrong. It's sinful. It's satanic. It must stop. We cannot allow the culture of our times to influence our ways and our activities. It's easy to do. We have these camps, my side, your side. But we cannot fall into the destructive nature. Satan loves it when we're tearing one another apart. It has to stop. And then the final takeaway is that we need to recognize that the fruit of uplifting relationships are glorifying to God and bring unity in Christ. You know, if we are not glorifying God or if we miss the unity of the body of Christ, there's a pretty good chance that we're not living in uplifting relationships. Now, it's not always easy, you guys. You know, sometimes in uplifting relationships, you have to bring bad news. So I'm not saying that we just become like uh, everything's positive, sunshine, and roses. There are some difficult conversations that occur in uplifting relationships. But the goal is to build up your fellow brother and sister in Christ. Not to please yourself. Not to be right or make yourself feel better. But to be an encouragement so that those who are weak are built up. Would you stand with me? Father God, my prayer this morning is that you would help each one of us to recognize our obligation.
obligation to one another. So often we, as human beings, fall into camps, fall into cliques, fall into our group, our class, our spiritual leader and following them. And we proceed then to tear one another apart. So Lord, this morning we confess that we have sinned in this way. That we've missed the mark. That we have not been an encouragement to one another to build one another up as your word says. Forgive us. Forgive us. And Lord, I pray that this morning you would help us to repent, to have a change of heart and mind and to recognize the value encouraging those who are weak. To come alongside them. To take this walk with them. To be like the Good Samaritan that that sees a desperate need and get off the horse and down where it's messy ugly but it's needed help us to love our neighbors help us to love one another and in doing so Lord we seek to bring you glory and we trust that your spirit would fill us so much that there would be unity in your body And so, Lord, now each one of us individually has to deal with what your word is showing us. Lord, give us the courage to hold up the mirror and look at ourselves. Not think about, oh, this sermon would be good for so-and-so or this, good, this sermon would really applies to this other person over here. Help us, Lord, to hold up a mirror and examine our own lives to repent where repentance is needed but to take seriously the command to the obligation to build up those who are weak we pray these things in Jesus name Amen